yes, there is a lot of competition, but there's also a lot of work and opportunity. And I really believe that if you're really passionate about something, you're going to be really good at it. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a personal and dear friend of mine. She is a two-time Emmy Award-winning writer and producer, and she specializes in documentaries and television series that are transformational, i.e., they put a spotlight on the people who make a difference in the world. She has made many, many award-winning and groundbreaking documentaries, including a documentary called Behind the Blue Veil about the nomadic Tuareg tribe of the Sahara Desert, as well as the one-week job following the journey of a Canadian college grad who gained international media attention, searching for the perfect job, and the documentary, yes, Young Entrepreneur Society, theyesmovie.com. But she may be known, best of all, for the iconic documentary called Transformation, The Life and Legacy of Werner Erhard. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Robin Simon. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you, Nikki. I'm like, where are the applause? I did that with so high energy. I just expected a roaring applause. A crowd. We have to fill that in later. We need sound effects. You know what? That's a great <laughs> idea. I want to make sure I do that going forward. That is brilliant. You are Love so it. good. <laughs> Robin, I've missed you. I've missed you. It's been a long time. So and no time at all. And no time at all at the same time. Here we are. So Robin, you know. I know you really well. I know your heart. I know what you're all about. And the reason I brought you on the show is because this show is dedicated to freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. We are champions for the men and women who have the heart and soul, A, to go out there and put their dreams on the line and make our society a better place. And obviously, we also literally are champions of those men and women, first responders, military folks who literally put their lives on the line for the rest of us as well. And those folks listen to this show because they want to learn from you. They want to feel your heart and soul. They want to know what you're all about. And then they want to learn from you. So they, they get a little bit more courage, a little bit more inspiration, and maybe a little bit more knowledge to go out there into the world and do a better job of making their dream come alive and serve the people they're meant to serve. But before they can really do that, Robin, they got to get to know you, girl. So tell okay. us your backstory. How'd you get to be? The great Robin Simon. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, let me tell you what really strikes me when you're talking about that is that I have met so many people. And I'll tell you, you know, how I got to where I am right now. But as I travel around the country and just throughout my career and life, I meet so many people who 
have great ideas and who have passion, but they don't act upon it. So I, it's either out of fear, insecurity, um, but they have wonderful ideas and goals, inner goals for themselves, but something prevents them. They don't think they should, they need the money, the, you know, the job security. And it's, it saddens me because, you know, when you have a passion for something, you will find a way to make money at it. Mm. It's just, you know, it's just believing that you will. So um, anyway, let me go back to talk a little bit about myself, but I want to come back to eventually talking about people examining and digging deep into what their passions were when they were younger, maybe, or passions that they're feeling right now, ideas for a business, whatever it is, um, what's holding them back from pursuing it because you're the only obstacle and it's an obstacle that you can clearly move out of the way. And I've done it because so many people have said, Oh, I wanted to be a filmmaker. Oh, when I was, you know, my 20, I majored in filmmaking. I took journalism classes and, you know, but it's so competitive and that's what they would tell me. And I, so I went into public relations and, you know, um, I went into sales and, you know, and I never got to pursue that dream of being a filmmaker. So um, it's unfortunate because, yes, there is a lot of competition, but there's also a lot of work and opportunity. And I really believe that if you're really passionate about something, you're going to be really good at it. And that's going to separate you from other people who maybe not as passionate as you are. Passionate enough that you're willing to risk everything to pursue that because if you're not pursuing that do you really feel alive and that feeling of aliveness is so scary and so important you know to to what we're doing here you know for this brief time on earth so i mean i started out as um you know a tv news reporter and how I, I was, uh, before that, I was, uh, you know, in California and doing public relations out, out of school. And uh, I went to a small town in Texas and I saw these signs for these network affiliates. And I said, oh, I took a journalism class, a, you know, TV news class. And I went into the station. I didn't have a tape. And I said, you know, if you, I don't have a tape, but if you send me out with a crew, if you like what, what I do, then offer me a job. If you don't, you know, and it's a small town, so they were willing to send me out with the crew. It was Beaumont, Texas. So they sent me out with the crew, and I did the story, and they said, great, this is really great, uh, but we only have a part-time job available. So that was the ABC affiliate. So I took that tape. I said, I, look, I said, I'm crazy, but I'm not stupid. I cannot give up my job and my life in LA where I was a celebrity celebrity um, publicist for a part-time job. So I took the tape and went to the next network affiliate in Texas, showed them the tape, and they offered me a full-time job as a TV news reporter, oh, like that. 
So I did that uh, for a few years in Texas and then wound up uh, in Miami and I applied for a job, different TV news stations. They told me, some of them, that I had to change my name to a Hispanic last name. And then they would give me a job and I said, I, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy, my God. That part Spanish, you know, my mother's side. I wasn't going to change my name to a last name, you know, just, you know, to fill some, you know, quota that they had. So I took a job in Miami at the a PBS station, and that's where I really started to develop documentary filmmaking skills. So you go from, you know, doing these like 60 or 90 second news stories to, you know, hour-long documentaries, first on magazine shows and then progressing to documentaries. And you have to learn how to like layer stories <clears throat> and take viewers on a journey. So I worked at PBS, hosting shows, producing shows. We did a travel channel series. And, and then at some point, as many producers at, at PBS stations realize, you have to leave <laughs> to really branch out and grow into the filmmaker that you want to be. So I did. And the first film that I did was um, Transformation with about Werner Earhart. And how that started is um, I went to a landmark uh, event, Landmark Education, and they knew I was a producer of PBS. And somebody approached me and said, oh, you should do a documentary about landmark education. I said, well, that's an infomercial. Um, I said, but, you know, I had just found out that Werner Earhart was the founder uh, of the principles of landmark, that it was based on the S principles. I didn't even know that. Um, so... I said, well, if Warner Earhart ever wanted to come out of hiding, you know, now that could be a documentary. And I hadn't done a documentary at that point, just, you know, for P PBS, um, but not independently. So they said, no, no, he's been so burned by the media. He's never going to do that. And I said, okay. Uh, and then a few months later, I got a call from one of his best friends and said that, you know, there may be this may be the time there may be like a listening as he described it, you know, for people to hear his side of the story and <clears throat> Werner would like to meet you. So I went to meet him and started, you know, he, building a trust with him that um, I needed to tell the whole story, the good, bad, the ugly, um, or else I wasn't going to do it but that I would be, you know, fair and it would be about your legacy. Uh, and uh, so that started this journey that lasted, uh, well, we had 9-11, you know, happened when we first started. So that put things on hold for a year. But it was like a six-year journey to get this out. And um, <clears throat> that was that was the first documentary. And uh I watched it with him and he, he loved it, but he said it was hard to watch in parts. Uh, but it was, you know, a, a great experience and I love doing documentaries. And then since then I've done several other independent 
feature documentaries, including Behind the Blue Veil. We went to Timbuktu and shot a documentary about, you know, the Tuaregs and this, the whole idea of indigenous cultures being lost and this culture's fight for survival uh, and getting mixed up in the middle of the war on terror. Um, to, to a transgender story, I shot a sex change operation and uh, 10 years later followed up uh, and it was a senior citizen. So wow. 10 years later to see where she was at. Actually, she was hiding from the law as a woman and then loved it so much, decided to make it permanent. So, I mean, you could see the whole breadth of a uh, story. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's amazing. That, that'd make a hell of a movie. I, I know, right? I know. I do want to do that as a movie or a TV series. I mean, it, it could be just... Pitch it to awesome. Netflix, girl. Pitch it to Netflix. I'm telling you. I know. I know. It's good. It's good. It's like unbelievable. In fact, when you see the documentary, people think, is, is this real? Is this scripted? Like, no, this is real. So Inspired yeah. by true events. <laughs> it's stranger than fiction that's how I, I call that documentary but i have a lot of interest i'm interested in people that really step out and inspire and move people my newest documentary is called do no harm and it's about the hidden epidemic of physician suicide and so it's really you know there is a thread through all my films it's about illuminating for the world something little known. So whether it's Werner about his real motivation and whatever happened to him, uh, to this little known tribe in the Sahara Desert and its fight for survival, to a woman, you know, choosing to be a different sex uh, and do no harm about illuminating this hidden epidemic of physician suicide that with the pandemic has become incredibly timely talking about physician suicide and burnout and all that. So there we are here today. <laughs> Robin, I'll tell you this, they, the documentary transformation, the life and legacy of Warner Earhart has got to be singularly one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I am a movie uh, buff in a documentary buff. That was spectacular. You pulled no punches, yet you were very respectful to the man. You showed his greatness. You showed his flaws. And that brought the idea of transformation to a whole generation of people that had never been exposed to it. So it was great. It was an infomercial for Landmark, whether you wanted it to be one or not. It ended up being that way. They should have given you commission for all the new sales they got as a result out of it. And wow. <laughs> I do know that people from the screenings, they would come up to me and say, you know, my family never understood why I participated in EST or the forum or Landmark, but, but they would go see a movie. You know, they wouldn't go to a Landmark event but they would come see a movie and because of this movie they understood at least why i was taking seminars at, at landmark and so they thanked me some of them also said it gave them closure because they were involved in est in the beginning and when La when werner left the country it sort of left them hanging and they had a lot on the line with their families who they had 
left and we're in conflict with over participating in S. And when Werner left, it was like slap in the face to them. And then he just disappeared. So uh, catching up with him and having him explain why he did what he did was uh, helpful. For helpful them. Yeah. Got them closure. And, you know, it, it, it showed that um, Werner had made a massive difference for millions upon millions of people. And, uh, you know, the company Lululemon exists because of Landmark. Uh, yeah. As an example, the movie The Matrix exists because of Landmark. You know, um, music stars like John Denver and uh, I think Valerie Harper and folks like that, their careers were enhanced because of Werner Earhart. Myself, my own um, career as an independent businessman was dramatically um accelerated because of my participation in the work of Landmark and because of Werner Earhart. So I'm a huge fan of the man. I, I want to meet him. I want to interview him on my show. So I want to ask you, connect me with him because I want to get him on my show. I want to interview him. Um, and it would be it would be an honor to do that. But I'll tell you what, what you did with that movie is you opened the door for a whole new generation of people to be open to these concepts of personal empowerment, transformation, and living life as your best self. So like as much as your own legacy is that of highlighting people who have made a transformational difference in the world, you yourself have made a transformational difference in the world with that one movie. And to me, that's exceptional, Robin. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. Um, so kudos, Robin Simon, kudos. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, that's why I have a passion for filmmaking. You know, you don't make a fortune. You know, if I wanted to, I'd be making commercials for Coca-Cola or something or Charmin or, you know, but, um, you know, you, you have to look at, you know, what gives you a sense of fulfillment. And um, I'm so happy that, you know, funding is always a huge issue for filmmakers, but I've been very fortunate that, you know, investors have come my way and just the right people at the right time to get these movies made. So, yeah, to make a difference, to get the conversation started. What's funny about transformation uh, is that we spent so much money you know, doing interviews with him and just sort of following him around the world. You know, like I would do an interview with him and I call up his people and I'd say, I, I need to interview him again because he was very formal and you know, guarded. I said, I, you know, for a documentary, you, you need the subject to re relate. I said that that was the whole thing about Est and Landmark is to relate you will create a sense of relatedness. And from that, you know, you can transform a relationship. So that's not happening in this interview. It doesn't come across. So I need to meet him again. And um, I did that again. And it's still, you know, it he still was guarded, less guarded. But then I, 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 it was, and this went on for a year. I, I would interview him. And then what happened next? Um, then I still needed to interview him again. I said, he's not relaxed. So we, we met in the Cayman Islands and I said, meet me at the beach 
and he shows up and, you know, there were, there was a, someone who worked for him who brought these two chairs. And I said, no, no, we're not going to do the chairs. I said, take your shoes off. We're going to walk into the beach. I want you to sink your feet into the sand. And that in the film was the first time where you saw him be very warm and, you know, just more open. And our relationship was evolving too. So, but then I, again, it wasn't enough because there were some tough things that he had to face, like the charges against him, like when he left his family and his mother became an alcoholic. I mean, he goes, he would say to me in the past, that's complete. I don't have to do, you know, we, we've dealt with that. I said, but, but for the people who are watching this film, it's not complete. For not, them. At all. not at all. And, and they need to hear you address that. So there I was, he was in Paris and I had to go <laughs> to Paris and we asked, do not bring your people. Don't bring anyone. Just, just show up in this room. It was just me, my cameraman and him. And those were those close up intimate um, scenes with him talking about the impact of what he had done to his family by leaving. But we had spent a lot of money doing that. And so for post-production, we really didn't have any money left. So I basically taught myself how to edit uh, on Final Cut Pro. And so I edited the film myself. It was the wow, first you did a great job. That was incredible, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Final Cut so. Pro, I love it. Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something, Robin. That speaks to the character of who you are. I mean, you spoke at the beginning of, of the of the interview about how a lot of people have a dream inside them. There's an edge that they have. Are you familiar with the work of a man by the name of David Data? Have you heard of him? No, no. He wrote this book called oh. The Way of the Superior Man. Oh. This is over 20 years old. It's a spiritual guide to mastering the challenges of women, work, and sexual desire. And one of the, the chapters in the book, it's written for men, um, is that he, he, he comes and he says that as a man, you need to lean just beyond your edge. This can really mm -hmm. apply to men and women, but for men, especially these days, a lot of men are just, excuse my language, pussified, and they just are way too comfortable and he, yeah. and he talks about how if you're happily stagnating in the zone of security and comfort, you're not living a life of purpose. And then there was another man that just did a talk at this incredible event that I ran last week for thought leaders called the E-Circle. That's my company's name. Uh, thought Leader Immersion Workshop. His name is Nick Kumalatsis. And he asked all of us in the room, he said, are you living a life of purpose? Or are you living a life of pleasure? And when I listen to you talk about how you went and you learned Final Cut Pro and you did the post-production work yourself, I'm going, this woman is living a life of purpose. And as human beings here on this planet, every single one of us, we need to ask ourselves that question every morning when we wake up. Today, am I living a life of purpose or am I living a life of pleasure? And if the answer is of pleasure too many days in a row, you need to turn that around. Otherwise, you're going to be one of those poor, lost, lovable souls who are going to go through life as this wandering generality, unsure of why they feel empty inside. 
Well, this is a question, you know, it's so fascinating to talk to you about this, Nikki, because there's nothing wrong with pleasure. And if you, if your source of pleasure and contentment is being with your family and, and it fulfills you and that's, that's all that, that you need to feel fulfilled. I don't have a problem with that. And I think we shouldn't because we don't want to judge just like, you know, we don't want to judge a 70 year old woman who a man who decides to have a sex change operation because, you know, they wanted to look like Marilyn Monroe. Right. So I think that should apply to everyone. Not everyone feels a strong sense of purpose. So if you, if you have, fulfillment, contentment, and love, and feel alive by just, by just being with your family, uh, then I think you shouldn't feel like you're not doing enough. I don't, I don't think that's important. I don't think that's the right message. I think that it is fine to, if you feel that way. Now, if you feel empty, like you're saying, and something is missing, or you want to do something, if you have something to say, you know, to the masses, or want to express yourself, whether it's through music or film or starting a business, and that that burns inside you, and you're not acting upon it, then that's what we're talking about. So we, we want a sense of fulfillment, whether it's raising a beautiful family or starting a business or making a film. It's, it's feeling alive and feeling fulfilled. I think purpose isn't about necessarily going out there and building an empire or, or doing big things, quote unquote. I think purpose is what someone feels inside them is their deepest source of connection to God at some level. And that can be looking after your family. That can be looking after a single individual. You know, it can be whatever it is for you. But I think that people that distract themselves with pleasure that are on the internet too much or on social media, or they drink too much or eat too much or do too many drugs or have too much you know, disconnected sex or whatever, those people are missing out because they know that inside, I mean, I've been one of those people. That's how come I could speak to this with such authority. I've been one of those people going through life, pleasure, pleasuring myself, excuse, excuse me for saying it that way. It's not what I meant, but pleasuring myself with all the things that I take on in life. Yeah, these materialistic yes. things. And, and feeling this vague unease and emptiness within. And then I I also have been the man who's answering that question that that man, Nick Kumalatsos, asked of me and the other folks that were in the Zoom room. Are you living a life of purpose or are you living a life of pleasure? And when I start to put my eye on my purpose and my purpose is ever changing, ever evolving, ever getting closer to the core of who I am because I know I'm not there yet. I'll tell you, it feels great. Like at the moment, I got a bunch of projects on the go. So here I've launched another podcast. This is a men's movement. I've launched the sovereign man movement. 
We've got another podcast. It's called the Sovereign Man Podcast. I've had some really cool and interesting and eclectic guests on on that show. You know, I've launched um, another business uh, within my business where I have a program I run for thought leaders. I launched a program for, again, it's a bit of a quasi men's group and a business group as well for men who own businesses over $2 million a year in sales who want to, who are freedom-minded people, not authoritarian-minded, because I think we're at a moment in our world where authoritarianism is taking hold in the West, and I do not like it one bit. And and so I want freedom-minded folks in this group who want to grow their businesses, but want to grow as as community leaders, as leaders, as men, as husbands, as fathers, as sons, as brothers. And and I'm doing all this stuff I have two books that I've published so far this year, both co-written, and I got a third one, a novel that I'm getting a contract for. I'm very excited by Doomsday Press. So I'm going to have had three books out this year. So there's a whole lot of different evolving purposes in all of that. But I know that fundamentally at this moment in time, as an Iranian who escaped tyranny, I'm here in the West right now to stand up for freedom, to stand up for free expression, to stand up for free enterprise, to not let the government force its view down people's throat and saying, we know better, we know better. So you know what? You have to do what we tell you to do. I mean, listen, I come from a medical background, okay? When I was a young boy, I was vaccinated with all the vaccines. I am not an anti-vax person whatsoever. I believe that vaccines have a role in our society. I want to lay that all on the table. And I'm horrified that the government thinks it gets to force us to take a flicking vaccine. Who the hell are you to tell people what to decide for them their lives? It's the decision they need to make for themselves. And I say this to people, look, I'm not going to tell anything. I'm not going to say anything about what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do, but I'm a smart man. I come from a medical background. I have trusted medical advisors. I go sit with them. I make smart decisions. I I don't make dumb decisions based on my health, my family's health, the, the health of the elders around me who are immunocompromised. I make those decisions. But I sure as hell don't want my prime minister saying I'm a bad person if I don't listen to what he has to say and that maybe Nikki, he should throw me in jail. Forget all that action. We live in Nikki, a time where those voices are needed. Hey, we're getting into this vax debate, but if people were only like you that were willing to go to their doctors and listen to what their doctors say, that's one thing. But what you have out there is a ton of misinformation that people are believing, you know, the, the, these just lies about the vaccine, like you're being injected with some secret government. No, it's not rat poison. It's not rat poison. It's not rat poison. I know that. But I also think that people need to be giving people the right to choose, you know, the right to choose. It's a simple thing in a Western country is you should have the right to choose. And if someone says, whatever their reasons are, I don't want to do this, that should be respected. You know what? If it affects public health uh, and you're not willing to do it on your own, sometimes the government does have to step in, just like with seatbelts. You know, you you want to kill yourself? Yeah, but you, you might kill somebody else if you're not wearing a seatbelt. That Therefore, it's mandated and you must wear a seatbelt. It's just simple. You know, we have our own personal choices, which are fine. And then you have community for the public good. And so that if you you have to act in in. In, the, in a way that's good for the people. And you can't be, if you're not 
vaccinated, you can't be out there possibly infecting someone else because of your beliefs. If it was just you, you could oh. go and be on an island and, you know, like, don't well, worry about it. You and I are friends and we're going to agree to disagree on this because I, I've looked at the science and I, I'm like I said, I come from a medical family. I, I think that's a scare tactic that a lot of people are using to get people for example, if someone's had COVID, they definitely have antibodies. According to the study in Israel, they have even more antibodies than someone who's been vaccinated. And this was a study of over three and a half million people. So it's a, you know, it's not a, a garbage study. It's a real study. And they say that you have six to 18 times the antibodies if you've had COVID versus someone who has been vaccinated. So, you know, that isn't being taken into account. People are shoving it down their throats. And I am very skeptical of big corporations like Pfizer, who have uh, their uh, sponsor every single TV show out there, every single network out there. No one criticizes them. No one says anything. All I'm saying is we need to we need to like be willing to look at at people who don't want to do this, and we need to look at the science and not junk science from either side. Neither junk science from people who thinks this is rat poison, nor junk science from Pfizer who stands to make hundreds of billions of dollars from forcing whole populations to take this. And forgive me if I don't trust Pfizer to have my best interest at heart. <laughs> okay. You know, we're natural skeptics. <clears throat> so I, you know, no shortage of uh, skepticism about pharma companies. <laughs> <laughs> Just say that could be your next documentary girl. <laughs> oh my God, countless stories about them, but you know, you're someone, if you don't experience freedom, from an early age, you stand for it in a big way. So I think that's me. That's me, which is one of the reasons I do my show is because I believe different voices need to be heard and everybody has the right to make their own choices. And this is a beautiful thing. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, Werner Earhart, what, what I love about Werner Earhart is that man, that man stood for something, you know, and he, he, he took some arrows from the world as a result of the stand that he took. And I think it was a very brave thing on your part to bring that man and his story out to the world. It was controversial. Not everyone likes him. Uh, he was abrasive. He had a style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you know, and, and some of that's fair criticism. Some people felt like the film wasn't tough enough on him. But, I thought you were um, plenty tough. I felt it was balanced. You know, there are just some people who just want a hatchet job on a subject, yeah. you know, and it to be all about that. I didn't want it to be all about, you know, the negative stuff in his life. I talked about it. I had him talk about it. But I also felt like he had a big legacy. And I didn't want to ignore that just because the other stuff was juicy. You know, I didn't want to belabor, you know, all the negative stuff. The principles that he taught um, about, you know, looking at your baggage uh, I, and then getting rid of the baggage and the sense of being alive, you know, and, and not being your story, this story you know, that you tell about yourself, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm too weak, oh, I'm too shy, oh, I never get a break. This is a story that uh, traps you into a way of thinking. And so the principles that he taught, which was really pulling from so much of what he studied, 
and just making it, you know, very approachable for anyone to get um, was really about, you know, making you live your best life and feel alive and connect with all these things that prevent you from being alive and not be and to not be focused on things like talking about people behind their back, like all this energy that we spend because that pulls energy from you when you should be focused on your own powerful self and your community, like how you can help community. So many amazing nonprofit organizations that sprung from Landmark and from Est, because once you handle your own stuff, you can, you know, now powerfully go out into the community, but you really need to handle your own stuff. Get rid of those, those stories, the baggage, and to feel completely alive. And once you feel alive, then you can help the community. And that was always the goal to be in community. And I'm not a group think person. I never like to participate in any group program. So, which is natural for a journalist to be that way. So I was naturally skeptical uh, when I went and, you know, started working on the film. And, um, you know, I still don't like some of the things that they do, like how they would, you know, invite people to participate. It's like everyone had to bring people in. And then when they got their family and friends to come to a meeting, they would, you know, tell you, oh, you're not living a powerful enough life or you're not living with grace. And that in order to get that, you need to come here. I don't, I don't like that way of presenting it. I would just say, you know, you can get a lot out of learning the distinctions that they teach, which should be taught from an early age, sure. you know, so don't bully, you know, if, if kids really understood what was important in life and how to, you know, be sensitive to themselves and to others, they wouldn't bully if they understood these principles of, of what really life was about and for and how to get the most out of it, you wouldn't spend your time bullying. You, you would, you know, spend your time developing yourself and, you know, uh, and helping others. So it should have been taught, it should be taught in school, but in, in a way that's, you know, uh, you know, not not filled with pressure to join them and to take the next level of seminar. Just the basic principles I found from the beginning course were helpful, those distinctions. So um, someone is knocking at my door. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I think I just, I think I have to, uh, I think I have to sign for something. All right. You Nikki, go sign you can... for something. I'm going to just, I'm going to just, I'm going to just go on a little bit of a, 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 a talk while you do that, a little mini rant. So, you know, what Robin's saying here about how Landmark does what they do is very, very true. And what they do is they have they have a philosophy called um, you're full of shit and bring guests. That, that, that's what one of the Landmark leaders told me. And I thought that's cool because the truth is I am a little bit full of shit, as they say. And bringing guests is the way for you to access your own transformation. So you bring guests and the people around you are transformed, that transformation stays alive for you in a bigger and more powerful way. That was the whole point of how Landmark did it. Now, it also happened to be tied to their business model and how they made money and how they brought people into their business. 
So there's definitely that aspect of it, but that was Landmark's take on, you know, why they wanted you to bring guests was because you would create a transformed environment around you when it made it easier for you to keep up your own transformation, okay? Transformation is something that happens as a result of you having yourself be transformed, but also you having your environment be transformed. That's the power of transformation. And in my opinion, that's something that Landmark did very, very effectively. They were able to actually create a phenomenal business as a result of that. They were able to attract hundreds of thousands of people to come and do their programs around the world each and every single year. Landmark had well over $120 million a year in sales utilizing this business model. And Robin's back. So I was just talking about how Landmark framed this. So Landmark said to people that, listen, there's two things you need to know fundamentally when you participate in Landmark. A is that you're full of shit and B is bring guests, right? So I kind of bought into the part that I was full of shit right away. And the part about bring guests, you know, at first I was, oh my God, they're just trying to get me to build their business. And that's true. They are doing that. But they also made a very powerful point, which is you're bringing people into the program because you want to create an environment of transformation around you. Your own transformation won't last if the people around you are untransformed. So in order for your own transformation to last, you need the people around you to be transformed. And that allows that transformation to blossom and bloom and exist out in the world in a more powerful way. And I got to tell you, it makes perfect sense. Now, it dovetailed nicely with the fact that they grew their business this way. And they had hundreds of thousands of people a year do their programs. And they generated $130 million a year in sales, you know, in their heyday. So that's all that's all good and good for them. But that's the explanation for why they did what they did. It's true. They didn't advertise outwardly. I think there, there's discussion, you know, about doing that and, you know, how they could mainstream a little bit more and not seem so cultish. Uh, that's important because, you know, there's landmark business education and they're doing amazing work with businesses around the world. So, uh, I mean, yeah, they, they need to get out from under that cloud of, you know, association with Est, which was weird for the film because this came out when they were when landmark was really struggling to separate itself and there were some people from within saying well that's hypocritical because why should we separate ourselves from the founding principal and and founder i agree you know so so is is this hypocritical are we being hypocritical so there was a big fight when this film was coming out whether or not they should acknowledge even that landmark and est were connected because of the history of Werner. And it was a very big debate. And I think uh, it hampered our distribution quite a bit because we had a distributor, we did 10 major cities theaters, uh, but uh, I had a deal with them that they would approve other cities that we would show the film because some were friendly to Landmark and others weren't. and. It was a home mission. Unfortunately, Landmark, here's the thing about Landmark. I became friends with a number of the Landmark forum leaders. One of them, you know, is a really good friend of mine and he he actually lives in Florida. So, you know, I'm not going to mention this name right now without his permission, but he said this to me, Landmark 
is an organization that teaches transformation very, very, very well. Landmark is not a transformed organization. So I don't know what S was like when Werner was there. I have a, a, a sense from people like Marsha Martin and Lynn Twist that Est was a transformed organization. Transformation was in the DNA of the organization. But to me, Landmark was a very corporate organization. And I actually didn't like that about Landmark. It's why I stopped being a, a leader. And I was an introduction leader. I wasn't a forum leader. But I stopped being a leader there because of that corporate ethos that they had. And to me, Landmark doesn't really live up to its own transformational ideals. And I don't call that hypocritical because I don't know that the way that organization is structured, they have people at the helm whose number one fear is that they're going to get attacked the way Werner was attacked. And they want to make sure that that at all costs, that doesn't happen at all costs. And so they're afraid to take the kinds of risks that Werner took. And that the risks that Werner took are what made Landmark great, you know? And well, he operated, it was the tenor of the times that allowed him to operate in such a big way. Uh, you know, you, you couldn't, you couldn't be a business functioning and do what he did, how he called out some of the people. But you could back then. And maybe you need that boldness. You really need that. And so, yeah, in some ways, you know, that's missed. I'm going to push back on that because I don't agree. I know that we have... I wrote a book this year with um, a very controversial figure who I've become dear friends with. His name's Wayne Allen Root. And I wrote that book because I was grievously offended as a brown, light brown skinned minority man that white liberals were telling me that I was too dumb to go get ID to vote. I got to tell you, that really, really pissed me off to my core. I have ID. Thank you very much. I've had ID. Since I got to this country, I have to vote with my ID. I have to go to the bank with my ID. I need my ID. If I say I'm going to pick up my child from a soccer game and they don't know me. Now they're telling me it's racist to have ID. Excuse my language, but on the horse you rode in on for saying that. So these corporations are caving into people because, you know, this is a theory that some a, a, a very well-known broadcaster said. He said, You've had people complaining to corporations forever, but before social media, the CEO never knew. These people that complained would write letters and they'd be intercepted by the CEO's minions, so the CEO would never see it. So the CEO never knew it, and he or she would never do anything about it. Now, with social media, people go on Twitter and on Instagram and they tag the CEO, so the CEO goes, oh my God, we've angered these people. What can we do? We got to stop this. And then they got these 20-something-year-old social media managers who go, oh, yeah, this is horrible. And you've got to completely change your policy. And so they go and they do that. They piss off 95% of their customers who, who absolutely don't agree with what they just did. And to me, that's insane. I'm telling you right now, I wrote this book to shame some of these corporations. But I also wrote this book because I want to call out other companies and say, look, if you've got the balls to go out there and be like Werner and say the truth, you're going to get people coming out 
and and they're going to jump all over your business and they're going to they're going to buy from you in huge numbers and i've seen some smaller companies do it i've yet to see a big company do it i'd like to see one big company give the middle finger to the mob and say nope we don't agree with what you're doing we still believe in what we believe in and i just want to see what would happen I think if Werner was doing what he was doing today, if we could clone him and bring him back at 45 and say, Werner, go do this at Landmark, and we kick out the current leadership at Landmark, it would grow, man. It'd grow like crazy. I don't think anyone knows this about Werner, um, that um, at one point he wanted to run for president. <laughs> That's kind of a crazy thing. Just I would have loved to see it happen. I don't think he'd have won, but it would have been cool to have him in the race. <laughs> Yes. But, you know, yeah, culture, cancel culture is real. Wokeness is real. It's, you know, uh, it's a scary thing, cancel culture uh, and, and how it can just sp spiral out of control, you know, with, with a tweet or, or with an, a post. So uh, it's a scary thing because, you know, we have rights, right? You know, First Amendment rights to speak. And now people feel that they can't speak uh freely and that's you know that's a big concern we have to hold on to those rights at the same time you know there's a lot of misinformation and that needs to be reined in too but how can you because the internet is just open misinformation so is uh is unfortunately rife uh all over the place but i come from iran the media we no one trusted the media they knew they were lying, right? right. And when I came here, I kind of... How old were you when you came to this country? I was just shy of 15. You know? Oh, well. Yeah. So you have quite memory. Of oh, yeah. So when I came here, I'm like, yeah, the media is lying. And people go, no, no, no. The media here actually tells the truth. I'm like, no, no, no. They're always lying. They're always lying. They're always like... And then I, I've never really trusted the media very much. But lately, I absolutely think if their lips are moving, they're lying. That's, how, that's the way I look at it. If their lips are moving, they're lying. All sides on all sides, Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this is the business book I published this year: the power of connecting, how oh, to activate you. profitable relationships by serving your network. This is the call out corporations book I wrote this year, which I'm not the main author. The main author is Wayne Allen Root, who's that controversial, uh, lovely man that I've become really great friends with. And we have a list of 116 companies that we call out by name here, <laughs> and it's. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I think Pfizer's in there. I got to double check. But uh, I'll tell you something, man. We, we live in a time where people have to have the courage to stand up for the right to speak and the right to do what they do. And, you know, the kinds of stuff that you've done with the movie you created with Werner and the movie that you did about the Tuareg people shows me that you're that fearless journalist that the world still needs. So Robin Simon, man, you got to keep making your movies and doing your thing because Without people like you, freedom would die faster. We need it. We need we need to have objectivity. We need people to come out and have the freedom to release films. Documentary films are so important. TV series that tell the truth are important. We, we just, you know, we're all important. Having businesses, having podcasts like this to, to talk freely. It's all important. It's all it, we're all part of it, and we all have to feel like we matter. And Amen. Matter. Amen. Amen. Amen, Sister Robin. You are amazing. So listen, 
Um, I would love for you to come talk to some of the groups that I have. I think they would love your story. And there are some really great business people in there. And I, I'd like to introduce you to some money people that might fund some of your future stuff offline as well, because I, I've, I've actually come across a few of those folks. Um, there's a little story that I've got, uh, which one of the, these folks has said they want to turn into a movie. So we've kind of been working on a script on the side. So it's kind of fun and cool. Um We'll talk. <laughs> let's let's definitely do it. You're you're a brilliant storyteller, and you know how do people find out about you and your work? Whether they're interested in consuming it or possibly being one of your investors, what's the best way? I have conversation and discussion about you know projects. Uh, you can reach me at go to simonproductions.com. You can find out about the projects that I'm working on. Do no harm film.com is the latest film. And you can email info at do no harm film.com. Uh, so we can start a conversation. We're doing screenings, virtual screenings. Now we were doing live, but now we're doing virtual screenings all over the world with do no harm about the, you know, physician suicide and burnout and how to improve wellness among medical communities. So uh, this is great work to open a dialogue about wellness and reducing the stigma of reaching out for mental health for physicians and all healthcare workers. So uh, info at do no harm film.com, Robin uh, at simonproductions.com, and Simon is with a Y, and Robin is with a Y. And my website is uh, simonproductions.com. And I'm, I'm on Facebook as Robin Simon. So people, you know, can find me. You're there awesome. Too. You're awesome. You're so accomplished and so wonderful and so accessible. And that's just a brilliant thing in this day and age because not everybody is. So I have a good friend who is the um, chief of surgery at a major hospital here in Toronto. And I got to tell you, um, I think he'd be interested in what you have to say. So, you know, let me, let me check in with him. Maybe I can connect you with him. I also have a friend who teaches at the uh, Canadian Naturopathic College, which is one of the largest naturopathic, naturopathic colleges in uh, the world. And she's also a top naturopath and one of my clients. And she loves us because, you know, we've helped her do really, really well with her business. But she's somebody who I think I should connect with you as well to talk about this movie and this project and some of the things you're doing and see if uh, the folks that are in that community be interested in the screening. So let me go ahead and, you know, connect you with those people. And for goodness sake, it'd be amazing to have you do the talk for these entrepreneurs. They'd be inspired like heck by you. So let's go ahead and do that. That'd be awesome. What do you think? I think it'd be amazing. Yeah, let's do absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to inspire people. That's what it's all about. Just share that energy and get people going. I want to connect you with a few people in that regard. I'll also connect you with my better half, Teresa. She is, uh, she works with me, but her passion and dream is acting. So she does a lot of jobs on the side and I think she'd love you. And she's also very connected in that space and in the fundraising space. She's raised millions of dollars. She set three Guinness world records for running 12 hours on a treadmill. And she raised like tons of money for various causes. So you guys should chat. There might be some cool things you might be able to do together. So pandemic nikki i wrote a thriller film like a script a yeah. feature film 
And it was just optioned by a production company here two months ago. So I'm hoping that we get production and I get to direct it. So yeah, so exploring all kinds of creative I'm going to make some connections for you, okay? I'll do those right away. Um, awesome. There's a couple I can do right away. There's the third one that I have to ask the the chief of surgery fellow. He, I got to check in with him. But um, the other two, those are easy. I'll just text connect you to those two ladies, and they'll uh, they'll make it happen. So, um, Robin, we end off each conversation by asking you, as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps? So, just like bullet point. What are your best three pieces of advice for people to take on for their life, for their business, or frankly, their purpose and fulfillment? What do you say? Number one, get in action. Whatever the goal, the idea, take little baby steps each day to make that happen. You'll feel more alive. Number two is Talk about your idea, your project, your dream as though it is real. Like put it into reality. My project is this, is, is this, not would be or gonna be. And the third thing is that connecting with other people, you know, being in connection, constantly reaching out, especially during this time when we all feel a little more isolated. The mo most important thing is to stay connected with people and share your ideas with people. Help them and share what help you need. So those are the three most important things. I got to tell you, I think those are really, really, really powerful. Stay in action, speak about your project as, as if, as though it's happening now, not someday, but now that makes it real and then stay connected with people. Wow. Those are brilliant. So listener, Robin Simon is the real deal. She is a legend in the documentary filmmaking space. She's a dear friend, like my sister from another mister. And she has mm -hmm. created documentaries it will absolutely knock your socks off. So number one is you need to consume every single thing she's ever done right away. Amazon. Amazon. Go make it happen. Right. And number two is, you know, if you're somebody who is intrigued by the idea of funding a film and being, you know, part of that or being uh, someone who is like an executive producer level person, like if you can fund a film to big dollar uh, amounts, then you definitely want to get a hold of Robin as well. And if you love what she's all about and what she's attempting to do in the world in bringing the stories of transformational figures to life, then you definitely owe it to yourself to be part of the Robin Simon tribe. And if you're listening to this and you know you're not living at your edge and you want to go right to your edge and maybe just slightly beyond it, then I invite you you've been inspired by this, share this. Sharing this will keep it alive for you in a bigger way. And if there's people who need this message, don't be stingy, give them this message. And if you love our message of freedom, free expression and free enterprise, then leave us a rating, leave us a review. And if you need more resources from us, go to our website, ecircleacademy.com. There are a ton of resources to help you get your business rocking, to give you belief and inspiration. And frankly, you can even jump on a call with myself or a member of my team 
and we'll sit down with you and we'll do a review of your business blueprint and give you give you the courage and the confidence to either go out there and do it on your own or help you see that you need some help and we'll show you how we can help. Make sure you take advantage of all of this. Don't be sitting there in your seat and go, that was great and do nothing. Listen to Robin, get in action. Exactly. <laughs> Robin exactly. Simon, God bless your heart. It's been an honor to have you here on the show. Great to catch up with you, Nikki. Oh my goodness. We're going to do this again, right? For sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. Find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Robin Simon. Applause. Applause. Put that in there. Absolutely. Go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Check out the show notes. Go to iTunes. Go to Spotify. Go to Stitcher. Go to Amazon Audible. Wherever you listen to this podcast, you can check out the show notes there. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.